Matchcast 22. Live from the basement. This one hurts. In the low back. In the left rib. A couple old dudes. Getting older. But still... I'd rather be young. I'd rather be a girl. Taking selfies on Instagram. God damn it. What happened to my life? At least you're there listening, and I'm talking at ya. Hope you enjoy this one. We go all in on Lucky Peach, envisioning a food future. It's in their latest issue. You should go check it out. We'll put a link on the site. Check the show notes. Check Instagram. Subscribe to the newsletter, which goes out now. Did you get it? You didn't? Match.is, left sidebar, scroll down. Two questions and you're in. Welcome to the family. Begin. I just tell you that my neighbor. Are you gonna tell me? Yep, my neighbor listened and loved the podcast. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I think you you mentioned that female. Yeah. Teats, and I was teats looking. Welcome. <laughs> teats, All teats welcome. And I was looking at um uh, the uh, social media. There we have a heavy female demo. I know. We just need to get some females on the podcast. Yeah, that, I guess that's what I'm stumbling at. There's no females on the podcast. Although maybe, who, I mean, it's a... Maybe they don't want to listen. It's a post-gender world. I mean, maybe they do want to listen, but they don't want to listen to themselves. Wow, you're getting in <laughs> weird territory. I don't know. <laughs> I think they just I should think, not be painted with a broad cloth. No, but you know what? We you don't... What? <laughs> right. The real thing is, a couple of couple of sharp tongue guys like us who doesn't want to listen to that exactly you know yeah who doesn't want the banter doesn't matter what you got between your legs does not matter what you've got between your legs t-shirt so this week we're doing one story one last week meg what 15 stories yep this week one one ish going deep into lucky peach we're gonna bury it in the peach so we'll get this uh, housekeeping <clears throat> done up front. I don't know what to do with this one. Oh, well, uh, yep. Nah. Sorry, I, I don't have the Google Doc open. I'm relying on you. I'll just read it to you. Okay. Charge Kingsbury broken rib is now a tweaked rib is ouch is karate pain old man amino supplement, period. Ah, enough said, right? I didn't write that. Don't know what that means. No, I just wanted to complain about an injury. Yeah, me too. So it worked out well that we both have injuries to complain about. Look. So this past Saturday... I was testing for my orange belt, which is, it's only one step up from a white belt. It's nothing extremely impressive at all. So the, the testing is you, you go through all your uh, techniques, your fundamentals, doing punches, kicks, blocks, that type of thing. And then you have to do the kata, 
each each belt. Shiro Obi no Kata, that is white belt. You have the Kata that you do, the this kind of thing. And then you do a few more things uh, with partners and they have pads. And then you have to spar. You have to straight up spar. And about, I don't know, a month ago or something at karate, I, I took a bad fall and I dislocated my shoulder. Oh, yeah. So it's it's pretty much healed. It's at like, I don't know, 80, no, 92%, just a little bit of pain here and there. But I'm all paranoid about it. And so I'm watching the group before me spar, all these white belts sparring against black belts. And it's like sparring, like heavy sparring. And then I start to get a little nervous. I'm like, fuck. Uh-oh. I'm going to fuck up my shoulder again, aren't I? Oh, man. See? So then I go down. It's my turn, and I'm sparring with uh, Concho, one of his sons. You've already lost the mental battle. I have. and But he's really nice. This guy, Jota, he's great. He's one of my favorite guys no, to take classes you, from. You hurt your shoulder. Right there, you hurt your shoulder. Forget about the, oh, your rib, whatever you hurt. <laughs> That's when you hurt it. I know, when I got inside my own head. Same with backs. And I think Jota could tell I was a little nervous, but we were sparring. And, and I Does was doing good. Does he know about your shoulder, your pre-existing condition? I don't think he did. I think we're getting active. We need the pillows back. Look! I think he could tell. But I was still doing my hikimawashi. I was doing my moves. I was doing okay. God, these stories just go on. Yeah, get to the... Yeah. So then he did a hizageri, which is like a knee kick. <laughs> expecting me to block, and I just happened to move into it. Uh-oh. And I, you know, it's like with a black belt, you could tell. I could tell as soon as his knee hit my ribs, he like relented right away. Because he knew he'd... Well, he's just like they're that in control of their physicality it's pretty amazing well he knew he had a solid contact there yeah and then an instant later he felt it break i I don't think it broke but i could feel it kind of like a light bulge feeling now that's a fracture maybe might just be muscle damage deep tissue no no (laughs) look at you talking yourself into it doesn't matter though the bottom line is it doesn't matter Unless you well, if continue you to break it, it's bad because then it could break more and puncture a uh, an organ. Well, that is bad. If it were to puncture a lung, yeah, you would have trouble breathing beyond just like a deep breath, like oh, which is the muscle bone, and it would like fill with fluid and you go to the ER. Right. Otherwise, but I mean, but I mean, you should be aware if it has a fracture. Perhaps I guess you can't really do much about it. No. But anyway, then well, I, what then can I had to happen go, is you can keep coughing it and pushing it back out and it'll be like, oh, I think it feels good. <laughs> yeah. You know what can happen is you can be stubborn and continue to do yoga <laughs> and overstretch it a little bit and make Ooh. it worse. Well, that's telling you to yeah, stop. But I don't want to. I'm stupid. To, uh, what is Charge Kingsbury and amino acid supplements? Oh, well, what was funny is, so we we're talking about Charge Kingsbury last week at Ned Nimby, right? Yep. And we were talking about his hikes and because we... No, not hikes. Those his are all mountain bike. biking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But because we think of him as kind of a knightly figure with the Charge Kingsbury, I was saying I wanted to go hike with him, but first I wanted to go uh, to Larkspur and joust. And then I said, maybe we could still go hike if we don't have broken ribs. It was like I I uh, knew I was going to have a broken rib. I called it out. You my said point. that on the... Oh. Yeah, on the air, dude, into this mic. <laughs> yeah. And then a mere four days later, I had a broken rib. Ned Nimby. That's so it. just be careful what you say. Amino acids... It's a supplement I drink. It's in, if you go to At Real Natch on the gram, you'll see a, a short video for the Tyson diet. It's the Tyson diet. So you'll see a short video for the Tyson diet, and it's buried in there is the amino acid iron tech, amino acid <laughs> compound thing that I drink. It's probably one of the more embarrassing supplements. And I don't even remember why I drink it. I think one of Nicole's clients who was a doctor said that that, she was asking him, like, what are some of the things that most people don't get that they need in their diet? 
amino acid? He said vitamin D and amino acid. Oh boy! But he works. He helps people rehab from physical injury. So do you he take said it's really important. Or just for the injury? just usually when I hurt myself, I have this fantasy in my head that me drinking the amino acid is like making my shoulder heal faster. And, and I even had the fantasy yesterday that maybe it's just a muscle injury around my rib, and drinking the amino acid is like, yeah. What? Well, so let's cap it off by talking about your back. Your back hurts. See, nobody wants to hear that. I'm I'm curious. I think people who've had injuries actually do enjoy hearing those stories because then they're like, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. I can remember. Yeah, but we got or a if bunch they're of... injured right now. If there's a listener with a broken rib, they're you going know, like, yeah, I'm not alone. You know who's not injured? Who? 20-something millennial females, our entire demographic. They might be injured. They, they do don't some, care about old man back pain. They yoga. Nah, they don't, not these kind of injuries. Not you these, can plank yourself into a broken old, rib. old man injuries. <laughs> a broken rib is a, a, an yeah, ageless oh, injury. They, they heal in minutes. Yeah, that's true. That's the problem. It takes forever to heal. That's what I've noticed. Or Speaking you never of, we heal. need to check in with Monsanto Kills and see how his back's doing. We do. I've noticed that on his Instagram, he posts a lot of videos, like throwback videos. Throwbacks. It makes me worry. That, yeah. Or maybe he's getting better. Maybe he's just like warming people up for his comeback. I have no idea. We should call him. Maybe a back check-in slash salad of the week. Look, Natchcocking as a verb. Yeah, we did that. Did we? Why'd you put that in here? Oh, because I'm thinking of taking it broader than just the chicken. Like we're <laughs> we're we're natchcocking the food industry. Oh. Yeah. It means you you take it's sort of like you're finding an efficient way to do things that that's outside of the norm. I like bit, it. You know? I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You're 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 open to experimentation. You're tweaking things a little bit just to see what works. You're natchcocking it. It's it's a little on the fly. Natchcocking the food industry. It's injected with pure gilded brilliance. It's, it's like culture jamming. Yeah. And like don't, don't ever say culture jamming. Yeah, I'm, I can't believe I even said yeah to that. You hipster. I hate that term. All terms. Genders. It's like uh, culture natchcocking, though. We're natchcocking the culture. Of food. Natchcocking the culture of food. For now. Who knows what we'll natchcock next. <laughs> oh, what? Mm. Fixed food. Are you ready? I guess so. I don't know. Gaze into our crystal ball and view four possible visions for our future. Our food future. (laughs) (laughs) It was close. We each have mag. We have printed magazines in our hands this week. Yeah. So take that, Lucky Peach. Money in your pocket. Yeah, we got two copies. That's shout out. Twelve bucks retail each. I think. I'm gonna set it up so it's a four article spread. Mm Mm-hmm. Look. Right now, those in the business of feeding us face two monumental hurdles. A skyrocketing population that threatens to outpace our food supply and climate change with all its attendant catastrophes. Hmm. Now, I think they got that right right there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you could pick. <laughs> Let's pick those two. Let's not pick the weird additive that the food babe launches yeah. into each week. These are the big problems, okay? Yeah, from a skyrocketing population that threatens to outpace our food supply to Subway bread with yoga mat foam in it. <laughs> there, is no silver, there is no silver bullet that can save us from ourselves. Oh, Look at them. So we're the werewolf? But there are people out there devising solutions that might seem like science fiction. We're going to talk about four of those as we go through the spread. And look at this. I highlighted them because... I'm not done. Oh, are you going to read them? They imagine? Is that where you're going next? Don't read that part. But these are all examples of Natchcocking. Oh. 
Towering right. indoor farms, meat raised without an animal ever going to slaughter, looking to some of the most abundant animals on earth for protein. I mean, that's, that's Natchcocking 101. We're also going to talk about each one of those. Oh, I know. I'm just linking it back to Natchcocking. <laughs> okay, well done. Spreading the influence of that word. For many of us, it's easy to grow despondent over the seemingly constant failure of fantastical concepts to reach fruition. To be sure, some of these efforts will fail, whether because they turn out to be snake oil or because they're just too big to carry out. Or because they come up against the food babe army. Mm. (laughs) Uh, The reality of tomorrow will necessarily include technologies and approaches to sustainability that seem preposterous just today. Herein, yeah, okay, yeah. We yeah, encourage you to good. decide for yourself which dreams seem worth pursuing. Okay, that's fine. I like the way that they've done two things. 20 years ago, the phone camera computers we carry around <laughs> in our pockets would have been unimaginable. So they make the link to technology, and we know. Yeah. It's science, but it's food tech. That's right, it's food tech. It's going to save us. Natural food's not going to save us. Holy shit! Did I just say that? Yes. I'm a Gilded Insider. You accidentally spoke the truth, Gilded Insider. It will help, and we need it, and we need to support it and encourage it, but it's not enough. That's what I think. That's what I... I think that's the vision that I helped you reach through our conversations. So therefore, we're going to talk about these four quick articles. And this first one, to me, I'm looking at this thinking, this is old hat news to the Gilded Insider. Fields of gold, golden rice. That's not the first one. It's not? (laughs) No. Well, let's let's skip to the second one first. No! Start with the first one. Oh, my page is stuck together. My apologies. Grown-ups. Pro. So the first one is about vertical farms. Feeding the global population currently requires farmland roughly totaling the land area of South America. And by 2050, we're going to need another plot the size of Brazil to feed us all. So says Dr. Dixon Despomier, author of The Vertical Farm, who also points out that modern farming isn't exactly rigged for expansion. Growers exhaust land, chemicals leach into the soil, and elaborate irrigation methods are sometimes necessary to make land arable. Dr. Despomier, a professor emeritus of public health and microbiology at Columbia University, espouses a different solution. Farming up, not out. Up, not out. I would pronounce it Despomier. Despomier? Despomier. Despomier. Which I think means some apples. Well, pommier. An apple is... Uh, pom. No, palm. Yeah, palm. Palm. So he, this would be... Palm de terre. That's potato, apple of the earth. Of the apple man. All right. The apple man says to grow up. So I, throughout these four articles, which yep. I think... I don't, the, my perception of them is that they're not written by insiders, which is good. Mm-hmm. They seem so, to be written by curious reporters. Curious reporters. And, and this one's by Courtney Bailstier. Oh, yeah, we should, uh, yeah, Courtney Ballestier. Ballestier, any relation to... Uh, These little nuggets of information. Despomier. That, that, are, that are fascinating. Did you know that? Farmland roughly totaling the land area of South America right now to feed the world? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> and in... 2050. Which is 35 years away. Quick math, quick math, yeah. quick math. Put the calculator away. Didn't have one. Size of Brazil, you need another Brazil. Mm. Puts it in perspective. It does. It's, we're going to have to, maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should dance around these four because they play off each other quite well. They do. They're written as four distinct articles. But they're intertwined. Oh. 
Dieter Détomagnet predicts that in the next 20 to 40 years, every major city will derive as much as 20% of its veggies, fruits, and herbs from vertical farms. Simpatico, bro. I highlighted the exact same paragraph. <laughs> but what do you think? <laughs> think he's right or wrong? Uh, On the spot. I hope he's right. I, I mean, it seems like a really good idea. Why? Do you, you don't need right? soil. You can do it all hydroponic. The LED thing's a problem. Aquaponic, you need power. hydroponic, aeroponic. You can use the ponics. Hooked on ponics, 20 stories up. Nope, maybe not. Well, what? Because the most optimistic visions of vertical farms imagine skyscrapers of produce with sleek Apple Store aesthetics. Apple Store? Forget all that, says Doctor of the Apples. The real-life incarnations tend to pop up in retrofitted existing architecture, like old Walmarts or abandoned shopping malls. He didn't say that, but that was implied. Well, right. I don't care... Sorry, if I was implying that well, height was the selling point for yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. Well, no, I, I think you, just it, the, the the romantic vision of it. Well, yeah, that's like the the kind of like sci-fi art, oh. artist rendering that you get is like the super tall building, like all glass, and you can see it, and there's just lush vegetation everywhere. So, if my glass says eight ninety five, that was the carrot water or the scallion water. That is the scallion water. Thanks, Whole Foods. So you, but I so love the idea of these Walmart. farms and old Walmarts. That's old in, Pentecostal churches, old Taco Bells, old old Pentecostal churches. There was a Pentecostal church by my house that was in an old Kmart. So now I'm thinking if they want to put it there, it would technically be in the old Pentecostal church and not the old Kmart. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So they old go, libraries, old libraries. elementary schools, there all these go. sorts of dying breeds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Things people aren't using anymore. Right. <laughs> elementary right. schools. Yeah. Uh, but old dojos that'll never happen an acre of lettuce farmed outdoors in california might need anywhere from 270,000 to 972,000 gallons of water green spirit farms in michigan a vertical farmer can produce an acre of romaine with 5,400 gallons it's gangster that's a real deal so what are the pros and cons on this sucker pros well the biggest problem is complexity you went to cons we know the pros. Less water. You don't need to use up soil. You don't contaminate soil. Controlled environment. Yeah. In theory, you wouldn't need like pesticides. You don't need pesticides. And... It's all inside. Ooh. Ooh. Decrease the that toxic load. Our complexity. Listen to this. Is this worth reading? No. We've read a lot of quotes. We have. But the deal is you need, to, you need a lot of people with a lot of skill sets to run an effective indoor farm. That was true. That was and you need point. expensive equipment. You need like airlocks and all sorts of stuff to keep it contaminant free. Yeah, but I think of that as upfront capital costs. That's, one that's time good hit. though. That's yeah, that's money back in the economy and then you're giving people jobs. It's like, not like an are, amino acid supplement where you just need a garage and some old heat Home Depot buckets. <laughs> yeah, it's not homebrew. But I mean, it's a bit like farming jobs become cool again. Although they are, they're cool right now, aren't they? Pastorally farming jobs. Yeah, but if you just so, have like eight pigs. So I don't know. This is one of this. None of these things are uh, without compromise. But the com- what are you going to do? The complexity. Are you urbanize the whole world and go up. Cram us all into cities and then have arid wastelands surrounding us. You know what I'm thinking of right now? Are you familiar with the work of Alan Savory? No. Does he, does he make spices? I was talking to Mr. Robbie Vitrano about this recently up in Boulder at a ideation day. Oh, boy. 
Alan Savory, kind of a renegade of a, a, a climate change theory and, and as it connects to agriculture. Mm. The notion that we have, well, the world is desertifying. It's turning into desert. We have this band of humid climate, rainforesty type stuff. Oh, glasses. The world, the world is desertifying. We have this band of humid area and climate and rainforest, and then we have just arid wasteland that's spreading. The theory being that over livestocking, which is not a word, the cramming of livestock onto this land, and then they just graze the hell out of it, and they don't move anywhere, and they kill it. And so you can still get rainfall, but it'll hit and just run off, or it'll evaporate back up into the air. So why not go back to the to mimic nature? The and so many climate scientists will say we need to reduce the number of, of livestock on the planet. Yeah. Not Alan Savory. Bring it on. But they gotta roam. They gotta go here, they gotta go there, you gotta move them around. And they create a healthy vegetation base, this plant litter, and they dung it and pee on it. Don't fence me in, baby. <laughs> and so he has uh, many successful examples of like they took over this plot of land in Africa, and it went from looking like an arid wasteland to lushish, with a nice base of decaying grasses and stuff like that. More I'll tell you what, livestock. That is a... You need more livestock. Whoa. So if you go vertical, you got room for them. Well, maybe you do, but you're also kind of taking the imagination away from making stuff on land and using farms to reclaim the earth maybe it gets a little more uh fury road and you got like all these buffalo and cows just out roaming again and you have hunting parties you don't have farmers anymore you have hunting parties that go out and fell these noble beasts wow and they're on these crazy trucks with built-in slaughterhouses i could see you getting into hunting in your mm, as long as my rib holds i'm good (laughs) in your 50s yeah crossbow hunting compound crossbow oh no i'm i i thought you meant no I thought you meant sci-fi hunting. I could maybe do that, but I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be a hunter. I don't like killing animals that much. What is sci-fi hunting? What I was just talking about. You're out hunting on hover bikes. You're still felling beasts. <laughs> no, I know. I, I could get into that because I know it's not going to happen. Oh, I see. But well, you, you've got a sag wagon that's like a mobile slaughterhouse. So you're processing it. Right there in the field. Yeah, just like the Native Americans. And then you bring it back to the city. The <clears throat> savory approach to this. I can't remember what it's called. It's a savory solution. What a great name. Alan Savory. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly cattle and it's highly orchestrated. So it's not like just let them loose. It's like they go here and they graze for a while and then they move you move them on. Mm. So that you're managing the land quite aggressively. Why not Buffalo? Buffalo no, are naturals at that right, shit. Buffalo would be fine. Come on, savory. Be fine. No, he'd be fine with that, I'm sure. Or gazelles. Or elephants. You know? Elephants don't, they don't eat very, short grasses. They eat trees very, and shit. Very. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Uh, very popular TED Talk that you can watch by Alan Savory a couple of years ago. But this, it's this uh, powerful moment where he talks about, he was sort of involved in land management. I think it was Zimbabwe, somewhere in Africa. And they decided like, there's too, you know what the problem is? Why is this land of desertifying? We got too many elephants. And through his work and his research, it led to the, let's say, assassination 
they felled 40,000 mighty beasts. What? Ele- elefantes. Because of savory? And it's, he's like, I carry that to this day. That's the- fucked up. Well, it was wrong. He's like, it was wrong. He the animals went away and the land got worse. And I was responsible, complicit. Oh, complicit in the death of 40,000 elephants. And so now we're going to take his advice again? Ooh. Yeah, he's atoning. 40,000 elephants? That's a lot of atoning. <laughs> yeah. Why would you ever recommend the slaughter of 40,000 hey, elephants? They had that a lot. seems insane. I, they had a lot back then. When was this? 100 well, years ago? 1884. 1884? I don't know. 70s? <laughs> A TED Talk from So what can we take away from this going up, not out, vertical farms? I think there's something to this vision. People like the vision of the skyscraper that's beautiful and covered in green, as opposed to the reality of this old rundown Walmart slash Pentecostal church. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I think the going up is the is the the market pitch. But the reality is that it's in old buildings like this. In Chicago, John Edel is turning a 93,500-square-foot former meatpacking plant into a hub of vertical farms and food businesses in a closed-loop net-zero energy system called The Plant. The Plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, shit like that. Booyah. Bring it on. We can, I mean, it doesn't need to be in high-rises yet. And this is why we're all starting to grow our own stuff, right? Yeah. You got your backyard plot. You can do that. You can grow your, the kits, the mushroom kits, all that. You Put them on your little shelf and grow them. This is a few steps away from that. You create your vertical wall. Yeah. One of the few things that I'm able to grow without killing, mint. You're drinking it right now. Mint is hearty. In this tea. Vertical farming. I think I think that's, I think it's a... Uh, I'll get horizontal with vertical farming. I'll get in bed with vertical farming. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Gilded Insider, let's bore you with golden rice. Yeah, this one is boring. It is a little boring. No. No, I mean, it's, it's a to you, because golden rice... Did you rice, know... Go, yeah, exactly. I this knew golden rice from you trumpeting it. This article, this is, a, this is a Derek Bothero. Fields of gold. Yes, it's a GMO, but it might save millions from malnutrition. This thing was off the rails, but then he brought it home at the end. I thought this article was going to be a disaster, as I kept reading it. There was a lot of mouthpiecing for the golden rice industry <laughs> but not i mean i but he, on a walk in the line and then he got pollen in there we'll, we'll talk about it right? i don't think i think you just overreacted to the first section maybe because i mean maybe i knew too if much. you're if you're writing the story you're making this pitch you're the the most people think gmos are horrifying and terrible so you got to come strong with the hey this one could save fuckers <laughs> and then you got Fuck uh, fuckers being starving people in Bangladesh, we're all fuckers. Oh, all right, we're bigger fuckers than those fuckers because <laughs> we're greedy fuckers. You know who's a real fucker? No argument. Bill Gates. What? I'm just kidding. Drink he, poop water. Uh, no, nah, I'm joking. Because uh, he spends he's pro his GMO wealth. though. Yeah, he is. That's what I'm saying right here. This for this uh, reason, as opposed to it's. People often twist that to mean like a pro Monsanto GMO. No, no it, it's he wants this. GMOs used to solve planetary crises. The, the, the potential of the beneficial potentials of GMO, which are not discussed. Yeah, so but, let's discuss them. Well, yeah, and you got you got both uh, halves of Ubel AgroWorks in here. You got Syngenta and Monsanto represented in this article. Mm-hmm. So let's. T- Perhaps the most well-known GMO crop is golden rice, first conceived by European scientists and in development now for more than 30 years. Golden rice is engineered to produce beta-carotene, 
a naturally occurring nutrient that the body converts into vitamin A. Vitamin A deficiency, heretofore known as VAD. NAD. Is common in Africa, the Philippines, Bangladesh, places where rice is the staple crop and local diets lack diversity, nutrient diversity. There, VAD is rampant, causing blindness and death from weakened immune systems. So what they do? They baked it into the rice. Beta carotene into the rice. <laughs> Initially, when Michael Pollan first wrote about it, low delivery of nutrition here. It would have taken... I think he says... Gut loads of rice to get... What are you doing? I'm just adjusting my microphone <laughs> so I can <laughs> rest my rib. Even a, even a little bit of a benefit. But they've increased the yields on it by which I mean the delivery of beta-carotene, converted into vitamin A. Dr. David Zilberman, some UC Berkeley, huh? That's, the, that's, the, that's a hotbed of food reform. Almost as hot as Davis. No, Davis is more... Oh, yeah, they're more like... Yeah, this is like... Tech, food, food tech, 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 food. Berkeley's pollen territory, so this is a bold quote. If tomorrow you allow GMO rice, wheat, everything, everywhere... That sounds like a bad idea. The mm-hmm. prices of food would go down significantly, maybe 20 to 30% across the board. What's that? Yeah, I don't know. Michael Pollan. Well, here's pollen down here. When I wrote about it, the quantities of beta carotene were so small, someone would have, would have to eat tremendous amounts to get any benefit. Pollen says now, I understand they've raised the levels, so maybe it can be of use. Still, he remains dubious about the approach. I continue to think that it's an unnecessarily expensive high-tech fix to the problem which can be remedied by diversifying agriculture. Think what could have been done with the hundreds of millions of dollars that have gone into this technology. I don't know. What could have been done? Help these people grow proper food? (laughs) Native foods? Proper food, yeah. Native foods. Well, uh, what could have been done? Good point. Yeah, look at that's this. That's not a lot of money. I know. That's, that quote was weird to me. It's like, just think about what could have been done with, uh, with hundreds of millions of dollars. There's Probably a, very little. There's a, there's a conceptual battle happening in food right there. I mean, in both these stories so far, it's right, you know, it's the damn science thing, right? Using technology and science to outsmart nature versus just getting in sync and harmony with nature. Whether it's the gra- desertifying grasslands or space. Malnourished Bangladeshis. See, I don't think it is. How are you going to fix it? Outsmarting nature as much as like giving nature a much deserved break. It's like a gift. It's like we're going to use our big brains finally and do something constructive instead of bashing you over the head with filth. Is this the vertical farm? This is everything, man. This is all of it. GMO rice? No, I'm saying using technology to grow food more efficiently is a nice thing to do for the planet, probably. This is the brighter side of GMO. So instead of the pesticide, herbicide, insecticide concerns, it's more baking nutrients into something than it was where it wasn't before. And so now when you, all you're eating is rice, you're getting more out of the rice. It's like you got a multivitamin baked into the rice. I don't know. That's also not very natural, right? Are there different shades of GMO? Because I know you've yeah. talked about yeah. like, oh, it's like bad. You don't want Roundup baked into the DNA of your... Soybean, but why wouldn't you maybe want an attractive why couldn't property? You bake in, yeah, why you couldn't you, you bake in whey protein or meat into or the a, soybean? You could bake in lab meat. You could bake in mint. Have some minty rice. 
So that's what everyone's so scared about? The world is our oyster. I mean, is that that's not so scary, is it? I think, oh, I think some people are scared. Even of like the mint-soybean hybrid? Oh, yeah. Tinkering with Mother Nature, verboten. But we kick Mother Nature in the groin constantly, that's, so what do we care? That's the fight. It's oh, the don't tinker with it. Movement. Yeah, bring it back. Let it, let Mother, you'll never outsmart her. No, we won't. She'll always do it best. She'll treat you right. She's, she's going to give us a walloping soon. She will take that rib. It may take a few weeks. She'll get it right back where it should be and heal it up. Uh, I'll play some small part in that. It's not just Mother Nature. As opposed nature. to your that weird contraption you've got <laughs> pulsing over it. Well, I was just trying to ease the muscles a little bit. The muscles tighten up around a broken rib, Mark. Yes, this they is do. Prospera Electronic Pulse Massager. It's nice. Ugh. We're both <laughs> like, I've been sitting back too long. Now it's hard to yeah, sit up. My entire left God, leg we're both is fucking asleep. feeble. <laughs> it's so sad. It gets me really down. But here, here's the here's the one thing though. That I, here's I'm one of my takeaways from this Golden Rice article. I'm really down about it. One glaring problem is that developing countries that I just stand. I don't think I can heal it. It's not going to heal. You're back. Let's go on. Not with that attitude. You need to get back in the pool. Don't want to let those pecs sag. Never. One glare. <laughs> one glaring problem. It's taking a lot of energy to talk. So when you interrupt me, it's like I laugh and then my rib hurts. Oh, I didn't know you were in a verbally weakened state. I can just dominate now. All right. No, I'll rally if need be. Mm -hmm. You'll pay for it later. One glaring problem is that developing countries that stand to gain the most from GMOs often lack the resources to really investigate and vet the issues and cut through all the noise. True that. So here's what's going to happen is the poor disenfranchised are going to become the GMO lab rats. Oh, already happened. Yeah. Happening. It's it's holds hand with the same, but but that's and that's why it's this, such a complex issue, right? You've got where was it? I think it's the Philippines, which was one of the field tests for golden rice. Like, oh yeah, we can prevent your children from going blind if we get this rice right and you actually eat it. And then I think Syngenta even it's Syngenta. Is it theirs? Do they own the rights now? I don't remember. Who gives a shit? Uh, they kind of handed it off to a. a uh, philanthropic endeavor and they don't they quote unquote don't stand to benefit from it at all but then many other people think oh yeah that's your foot in the door into the country and then you can sell other stuff but uh, the Philippines sort of burned all the test plots we don't want your demon seeds in our country get out of here <laughs> yeah. it's a big deal Yes, as the three co-inventors of Golden Rice recently won the 2015 Patents for Humanity Award for creating yeah, a licensing see. agreement in partnership with Syngenta, so they must own it, right? I think it's Syngenta. That will provide golden rice seeds for free to farmers who make less than $10,000 per year in developing countries. So here's one sentence that I think where, where Bothero got me. I'm like, okay, you know what? You understand what you're talking about. And you've covered it, both sides of the issue. And, here, and here's kind of his conclusion. On one side of this big debate about GMO, largely golden rice specifically, is the optimistic view of feeding the world optimistic view mm. of feeding the world and improving livelihoods through bioengineering and on the other are a number of legitimate and unsettling questions about who in the systems is benefiting and whether there are undiscovered health risks i like that one who's benefiting inside the system it's a food yeah. justice issue it's justice i think that's what makes gmos freakier than even the science behind them is the assholes who are Yep. Controlling them and monkeying with them. Most hated 
company Syngenta and Monsanto, Ubel Agro Works. Ubel Agro Works. But imagine this: you got what if you got some sort of food DNA Wozniak out in his garage? Oh yeah, making the mint soybean. No, he's making vegan cheese. The mint soybean that, uh, through its effervescence, is a natural decongestant. Which would clear up my respiratory thing. I'd never cough loose a rib. And you'd be getting a lot of protein from the beans, so your pecs would get so huge and your core would just get so swole, so cut. What then? Are we I mean, afraid? I want my pecs swole and my, and my yeah, core Yeah, that's true. Cut. That yeah. would look weird if you had a swole core. <laughs> yeah. You'd look sort of like a really muscular pregnant person. But I mean, if it's the Waz. Oh, there's Wazes. Then, then we're less afraid, perhaps, than if it's Ubel AgroWorks, right? Right. Oh, this guy might. Oh, Jesus! Look, Grubhub, free. The third pillar yeah. of a fixed food future, per Lucky Peach. Eating bugs. Grubhub, the only thing stopping us from <laughs> harvesting this sustainable protein might be squeamishness, says by Jennifer Billock. Yep. Two billion people worldwide already eat about 2,000 different species of insects. In South Africa, termites are served with a maize porridge. Mm. You can get spicy grasshopper, chapulin tacos in Mexico, mm. hang out with Swiss Keats. In Indonesia, dragonflies boiled in coconut milk are a delicacy. That one. Yeah. What's that about? That sounds kind of majestic. Pretty interesting. A dragonfly boiled in coconut milk? How can we pull that off here? It would be all soggy. That's the problem. It doesn't sound... The sogginess is a problem. And dragonflies are frightening, the way they hover. I think we could net one. It'd be really hard. No, they're easy to catch. They're just... It would be hard to face one and eat it. Look! And here in the U.S., this is kind of a... They're kind of... Kind of cram this Fancy in. Pants USA. Cricket protein is Power. added to supplement energy bars, cookies, desserts, and snacks. Yeah, see, that's nothing compared to those other ones. We're the, we're the only ones that can't handle the thought of actually eating a bug when you dab it. The whole insect. Food teched into powder. Yeah. Exactly. Although I guess a mortar and pestle isn't exactly food tech. We're so fancy. We're just, we're new to this. We're rarefied. We're above it. Yeah. We're fuckers. By replacing all lives, this is the FAO. Pushing on bugs mm. by replacing all livestock protein sources and livestock feed with edible bug products. There you go, EBP, edible bug products. We can reclaim thirty percent of the Earth's land, reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by about eighteen percent, and slash food prices by thirty percent. Jeez. In an interview last year with Food Republic, Kyle Connaughton creator of exo cricket flour based energy bars asserted that the crickets he raised had quote virtually no impact on their surroundings yeah. crickets and other bugs feed on organic material and waste fabric paper other insects decaying plants human and animal waste even old cat food nice poll theoretically lessening the amount of garbage going into a landfill every day insider moment exo chapul yeah we've eaten chapul on the on the I podcast think those are the two branded bars that are kind of out front. I think that's it. But there's more coming. Oh, there's more coming. And think, Exo raised a bunch of money. You think cricket, more crickets? More cricket protein powder bars. I'll eat them. Of course you will. So you'll eat them if they're two bucks. Two bucks like, or less. Tastes like a butterfinger. Buck 99. <laughs> Comes in mint chocolate. I'm there. <laughs> Can I get more sugar into this, please? It's not that sugary. That's oh, brown rice syrup. Mm. Uh, yeah, but what are the costs, bro? I, I, yeah, they did talk. I'll tell you the cost. A basic home insect farm, a lidded container filled with peat moss, a pack of crickets, cornmeal feed, and a wet sponge to keep the bugs hydrated. Yeah. 40 bucks. I feel like, why haven't we seen that in The Walking Dead yet? 
I have not seen the last see. I'm so far I'm not behind. giving you any spoilers. I'm just saying like that would be a great detail. Where, where's the like sm- kind of smart aggro favorite whiz show. favorite show on television? I love that show. I think it was season two where I was like, holy crap, this is so good. Was that the one where she they lost the daughter? Yep. And at the end, she's in the barn. Yeah. Yeah. Un- oh. You didn't see that coming that she was in the barn. I didn't see that. a little bit. A little bit. It was still super powerful moment. Ugh. I love, well, I'm a big sucker for zombie stuff anyway, but that is just... Well done show. So good. But I mean, they could benefit from having this like kind of whiz kid character who's growing crickets. Mm. He's showing them all how to do it, and they're all That's just eating idea. bugs. Up That's the gross factor a little bit. Ideate. Yeah, there's ideation. That's for you, AMC. Get in touch. Mm-hmm. We got it. We actually... Oh, what's this? A spec script that we've already written? Yep, it's waiting here for you. Check this out, though. Moreover, a new study from UC Davis shows that sustainable cricket harvests may not be entirely scalable. I know. It was Paris and UC Davis. France. Or France. And we added one last week. (sighs) Now we're not going to be able to remember that. (laughs) That was the third one from last week. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Scotland. Scotland. Yep. Scotland, France, UC Davis. Now it's a triangle. Connect the dots. Would that be? People. That's going to be a cute triangle. Anyway, you slice it. Uh, so as opposed to oh, look at this too. As opposed to what kind of triangle? Obtuse. Right. There's three kinds of triangles, right? There's an obtuse, or no? There's just an obtuse. Obtuse. An acute triangle because it it has like a. I was gonna say oblique. It's not oblique. It's obtuse. Is it? Well, an obtuse angle is a wide angle, an acute angle is a narrow angle. Yeah, I feel like making fun of you about that, but I think you're right. Yeah. Obtuse. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, never mind. It's not yeah. oblique. Now you've embarrassed yourself. <laughs> but my obliques. Yeah, my are, obliques are, are like obtuse. spasming right now because oh. they're trying to hold my rib in. Oh, wow. uh, so check this out. So yeah, that's kind of a problem too, right? If you're feeding, well, there's two things. Okay. So when crickets are fed minimally processed municipal scale food waste and diets composed largely of straw, they die before harvest time about 99% of the time. Yep. And then there's the problem of like, do you, do you really want to eat crickets that have been eating pig manure? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Why not? I mean, could you that make choice? you sick? You think you've got a choice? No. Well, right now we do. You better get those Walmarts you- converted to farms. Aeroponic farms now. Yeah. Yeah. Because those plants, they can thrive off the fish shit. You better get your home peat moss insect farm well, up aquaponic. and running. Aquaponic. What? <sighs> Look at this, though. Early reports by the FAO shows promising results in both realms. Black soldier fly larva grown in pig this. manure this. can digest it and ultimately reduce its volume. Think about that. Chicks fed black soldier fly larva meal gale. Ugh. Chicks fed black soldier fly larva meal gained weight. Done. Researchers are clear that further study is needed. Yes. So that's the point. That's you can little... take waste. They can feed. They can feed off it. You can then feed that bug into a meal to a chicken, and it can gain weight because we're looking for the golden uh, shit, not the golden rule. The gold. Oh, the golden I, triangle. I that's missed, a different geometric I concept. I my trumpet blast. I had it. Oh, oh. the golden something. The golden... oh, the gilded insider. That's what we're looking one for. One to one. Where'd he go? It takes, it takes like a pa- How much does it take going in to produce a pound of meat? Oh, yeah. For a chicken or a salmon. Or well, chickens are close to one to one, salmon. aren't they? Huh? Chickens are close to one chicken to one. Chicken are close. Bugs, la- you know, see, it's like eight, nine to one on a cow, something like that. How much it's meat it takes for a pound of edible meat? 
Oh, yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But my point being, if you can use black soldier fly larva meal and chickens will gain weight off it, you're getting close. But watch out because cricket paralysis virus can wipe out an entire farm supply in a matter of weeks. Yeah, that's a problem. As it did at Top Hat Cricket Farms. Why am I laughing? In Portage, yeah, Michigan. so funny. They had to lay off all their employees. Stopping all production over here. and profit and forcing the company to lay off all of its employees. Yeah. Cricket paralysis. That so, sounds serious. So you wake up one day, you open your lidded container, and they're all just frozen? Yeah, and then quickly dead. Eesh. You got to grind them up and eat them ASAP. Can you? I don't know. Listen to this. Crickets they raised also... on food scraps and manure could suffer from fungus, bacteria, drug, or metal contamination. Metal. And we wouldn't know until we ate them and got sick ourselves. That comes from Dr. Adrian Charlton, a biochemist at UK's Food and Environment Research Agency. Yeah, they did. They found them in Mexico. Some bugs had eaten a bunch of metals and they carried Well, no, through. they'd been stored in uh, paint jars and they'd absorbed enough lead into their bodies to poison consumers. So there you go. But here, this is... There's this, no super organism. It's one big stew. This idea has you been around for a while, keep your crickets in a paint though. can, it's going to be a problem. So here at the end... So if you're buying your cricket meal from a paint factory, you want to make sure that they're not coming out in paint cans for transport. That's right. Right. And then, well, here it says, the first edible cricket farm in the U.S. opened in 2014. Um, but, but it goes way back, dude. Uh, so there's this other thing from Gerard Golden, acting CEO and co-founder of Next Millennium Farms, a Canadian cricket farm. He sees bug protein powder playing a role in fortifying other foods like pasta and bread. I used to get a subscription to this magazine called Zoo Books when I was a kid. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. It was like each issue was a different animal. And I loved it because on one page it had like, it showed their skeleton and it showed their musculature and then it showed their actual body. It was like fascinating. Very a lot of great data visualization, uh, but as I remember good as ours for our cheat close. sheet notes. It's oh, close. Okay. There was a I don't, there was an insect ep, uh, issue, and there was a little aside I remember because it made such an impact on me. Saying that one day, grasshoppers and crickets would be ground into flour for bread and stuff, and that it might be our only option for sustenance. And oh. I I thought about it every time we went to the gro- like grocery store after that when I was a kid. I'd be looking at the loaves of bread being like, man, there could be crickets in there. And then you hear that other thing. When you're a kid, it's sort of urban legendy, but that in any jar of apple juice that you buy at the store, there's probably like one grasshopper in there <laughs> via parts per million getting ground up with the apples. Uh-huh. And scene. <laughs> nice. I wasn't listening. I was looking at Instagram. What the fuck is that? Well, we got these good these pictures of us drinking carrot water and scallion water. Live in the moment. Oh, sorry. Not in the media. I thought it was one of your stories. It was a story about that was completely relevant to what we were talking about. I agree. What was it about again? Uh, Tyson's tube steak. Nope. I'm I'm trying to move on here. So that's but that's Tyson diet right there. You got one cricket parts per million in your applesauce. You need a little bit of that. Yeah, I want get some cricket in there. in there. I don't mind. So, so when we get to the point where you're eating dragonflies braised in coconut milk, yeah, your body knows. According to another urban legend, I'm already eating eight spiders per year in my sleep. And that's okay, because that's the... It's the Tyson diet. Speaking of something Tyson-esque, what about Tyson's tube steaks? In Mitra, the fourth... Vision of the feud future. Yeah, yeah. We've done vertical farming. 
we've done golden rice, done the brighter side, the brighter side of GMO. Yeah. And now we just did what we just do? Bugs. In Metro, lab-grown meat is redefining molecular gastronomy by Aaron Fear. By 2050, global demand for meat is expected to increase by 73 fucking percent. Real quick, Grubhub, the insect-eating article, Jennifer Billock. I said that. Didn't. Yep, check the tape. Don't fear the reaper, Aaron. Way to just harsh the flow. In 2000, the NCR slash Toro Applied Bioscience Research Consortium produced a sample of edible goldfish meat. I made a note in my magazine that says, what the fuck? I highlighted the exact same. (laughs) All right, goldfish meat. Maybe that's our fifth vision of a food future, goldfish meat. (laughs) You're growing your own crickets and your own goldfish. Why can't we eat goldfish? You can, aquaponics, right? Where you got the plants growing up top. Yeah, why are we all focused on... The goldfish on in the bottom, the goldfish shit. You pump the shit water up and water the plants, fertilize them. How much, how much a goldfish? Well, I, think about those big old fat koi fish. Those are goldfish, right, at the I'm Botanic th- Gardens? Yeah, but what about just a... And they eat anything, right? You can throw... What, eat koi will eat anything? Chum well, in the yeah, water. Botan- like park koi probably Throw will. your Pop-Tart in there. Throw your... Those koi are on the Tyson diet. They <laughs> have big time. They're total freegans. Especially when they're at sort of a theme park. <laughs> they're getting cotton candy. They're yeah, getting, yeah. So I don't know, but that just makes me think, why aren't we talking about goldfish meat? Here we are talking about bugs. Come on. Well, they also, so there's Get the other thing. It. We're on it. Next issue. Episode. But this, here comes a long quote. You got to pay attention. You ready? Wait, are you moving from the goldfish onto the burger? Yeah. Okay. Because the, the goldfish was the... Uh, Appetizer. <laughs> In the summer of 2013, Dr. Mark Post and colleagues at Maastricht University, this might be paraphrased. I see you knitting your brow over there as you read along. I forgot the word his. Well, I, 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 for flow. In the summer of 2013, Dr. Mark Post and colleagues at Maastricht University grew enough beef to make the first in vitro hamburger. They drew myosatellite stem cells from the necks of beef cattle and cultured them on a collagen gel submerged in growth medium. Ooh, yum. They had to grow the beef in tiny discrete bits since the size of the tissue was limited by its lack of a circulatory system. The burger was assembled from 20,000 individual pieces flavored with saffron. Mm-hmm. Breadcrumbs and caramel, colored with beet juice, and paid for by Google co-founder Sergey Brin, who donated $325,000 to the project. World's most expensive hamburger. That is the most insane paragraph I think I've ever read. I know, but I like that it mirrors fast food in that, have you read Fast Food Nation? I know all about it. Because he, he talks about like how any, any hamburger you get at a fast food place could have meat from a huge, vast number of different animals, right? Animals with circulatory systems, but yes. Wait, what? Yes. It's oh, a lot I of see. different oh, cows. Yes, but... live animals. But I like that they're using, they have to grow like 20,000 discrete little pieces. <laughs> so just, it still mirrors fast food. This funny little burger. I, that just throws you right when you're like, oh yeah, okay, lab meat. Oh, this, uh, this, this tissue has no circulatory system. Yeah. So therefore we can't grow it very thick. And so you can't have like a rare steak, right? Because it can't. Where's the blood? Good point. I don't know. Yeah. Where's my bloody steak? 
and you're flavoring it with saffron, breadcrumbs, and caramel. That's a very well, refined choice. The Master University really needs to get in touch with Tyson's Tube Steak because our technology is way beyond this. How so? How so? Well, we're filling beakers with blood and meat, and it's just multiplying. We've actually got it rigged up. This Prospera electric pulse massager that I've been using is really similar to the technology we use to stimulate growth in uh, at Tyson Tube Steak gotcha. HQ. Uh-huh. I don't believe you. I'll make you a, a Tyson tube steak burger oh. or just a tube steak steak. You can keep your tube steak to yourself. Even though <laughs> cultured meat for the world. has no immune system, imagine that, it's reasonable to expect that large-scale automated production will require fewer pesticides and anti- antimicrobial agents. We get into this whole notion of nobody has even like gotten close to doing this at scale. So what would even a production facility look like? Yeah. Fascinating thing to consider, Aaron Thier. And since it's a market-driven solution, it must be economically viable to have an impact. So this one seems like it's a ways off. I know, but... If it took them... How long did it take them to grow 20,000 individual pieces of beef? Probably a little while. I don't know. I don't know if it's ready for prime time <laughs> just yet. Grass-fed cows are the most inefficient of all, though, contributing mm-hmm. the largest amounts to greenhouse gas. So the benefits of in vitro meat derived from a theoretical gain in efficiency, Right. Uh, but again, and, it's just like a solution to meet a very, well, not super niche, but like a kind of extravagant need. <laughs> we don't need red meat. There is, here's another tension. We do? No, we oh. don't. So we don't want to kill these lovely animals all the time or rape the earth. Ooh. I don't know. Unless you're going to savory them, in which case they are protecting the earth. Yeah, unless you're going to go kill a bunch of elephants. Right, kill the elephants and then bring in some cattle Yeah, to recreate some grassland. Uh, that's a whole different spirit than lab, salad. No, salad. No more salad. God damn it, just well, more salad. Well, I mean, salad. we can grow salad in a lab real easy right now. Vertical farms and we salad. We can grow salad in space. This is it, right? Yeah, we can grow salad in space. Yeah. In our Best Buy outfits. That's right. We just need to eat less red meat, specifically. And so probably... Pork. So we're there. We've come full circle. Just eat more chicken. Feed them crickets. Chickens are close to the one-to-one ratio. So here's the food future. Somewhat fixed. Not fully fixed. Here's the Natch. I think Lucky Peach the is gone just to click too far. Here's the Natch-cocked food future. Yeah. More salad. Yep. So you vertical farm that shit as we urbanize. No, you don't vertical farm it. You old mall farm it. What? You old Pentecostal church farm it. doesn't have to be vertical. Oh. Indoor. Okay. Fine. Indoor LED farm that shit. Yeah. Vertical if available. But then we're just then we're just supporting encouraging urbanization. Everybody pack into little cities and Well, not necessarily. If you think about where a lot of these abandoned uh, malls and superstores are, they're in suburbs. Yeah, well think about if we didn't need all that land to rear cattle, we could have South America back. We wouldn't need to go up. I know, but might as well use what already exists. Yeah, and that way you don't have to be growing the food right on top of people even. It could be grown out in the suburbs in old recycling. malls. Yeah, recycling. Yeah. I thought we were going to make more somewhere. room for people in the city, grow the food in the old Pentecostal churches that banned it and then uh and then you wouldn't need GMO rice. No. If you reclaim your grasslands cuz there's already like a movement, right? People Pollen's are already starting right. to move back in. I like pollen on that one. It's 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 over it's over cultural di- like yeah there agricultural diversity. There are other solutions. Yeah, stop growing just rice. Yeah, 
Yeah, you shouldn't be eating just rice anyway. Well, maybe it's hard to grow everything else. Well, I mean, I'm you're, you're sure that that's a problem. Fiddlehead ferns. Well, and maybe with a couple hundred million dollars, Pollen knows how we can diversify. Maybe he's mm-hmm. it's like, they got old malls in the Philippines. Let's grow if, some lettuce. He does, and Alan Savory does. Let's grow some asparagus. Let's make some $5 asparagus waters. So wait, so we're natchcocking the future still, right? So we got, oh yeah, we got the... La- the in- we're, indoor we're, LED grown veggies. We like that. We got the crickets going we into like that. Crickets are going to protein bars. That's They're going into indoor, chicken feed. That's another indoor sort of farming system. Okay. They could be in the same building. Could be. You got the cricket wing. You got the salad wing. Yep. And then you got the chicken wing. Oh, but let's have that outside. That's the parking lot. Jesus, yep. a mall is a perfect place for this. Oh, so you're not going in the tube steak. Tube steak. You could, you could have, crack that in there too, and you got it all indoor. Well, yeah. Well, I'm thinking about, especially the mall of my youth, it was segmented. There were like kind of four oh, wings. Old mall, M-A-L-L. Yeah. What'd you think I was talking about? I don't know. M-A-U-L. A mall, like a, like a lady from the, like a 20s flapper. Uh, yeah. That's what I was, yeah, that's. Yeah. No, see in, in one wing of the shopping complex, you have the indoor LED salad growing in another wing, you're growing crickets and another, maybe the smaller wing, you're fiddling with tube steak a little bit. But then out in the parking lot, you're letting all these chickens graze, and they're eating the the crickets that aren't going into the protein bars. That's the fourth wing of the mall. You got the protein bar pet factory. You know what that is? That's Whole Foods 2050. Yep, that's a vision of the future. That's WTF. ideation. Quit selling me asparagus water and make that happen. Yeah, that's Natch cocking it. And that's eating it right off the tube, test tube. Right out of the beaker. <laughs> right out of it. Just drinking it. It's meat pudding. <laughs> oh shit! Out <laughs> meat pudding with a laughing hurts. braised dragonfly. Well, I think. So we have little idea what the facility would look like. We haven't invented the technology we need, but at present, each American eats more than 160 pounds of meat. Mm-hmm. Bangladeshis eat six to eight pounds. Per we are day. highlighting the same quotes. Replacing two out of three steaks with <sighs> bowls of lentils. Same quote. Would be a lot cheaper, and we could begin our pro-lentil propaganda campaign right away. Well, I think we've already we begun that campaign. That eat more salad, eat more lentils. Nah, eat more salad. And with lentils, that can be part of the salad. So that's it. A I few do have future th- there. There is The very next article, though, is called Winter Worm Summer Grass, and it's interesting that it follows this because it's about these uh, caterpillar caterpillars that burrow underground somewhere, let's see, where is it, near Nepal? And they they get this fungus in them, and then as they're dying, they crawl back out of the earth, and then the fungus turns into this horn that rams through their body. Oh! But they're a prized delicacy. Where? Like all fights break out on mountainsides in Nepal because oh, people Nepal. are trying to harvest these. There aren't very many of them. Wow! Uh, you want? I'll give you the skinny. In the fall, fungi, fungi infect the caterpillars of the ghost moth and live in symbiosis. Before the alpine terrain freezes over, the caterpillars burrow deep into the soil to await metamorphosis. It is believed that some caterpillars continue to live in harmony with their fungi, flying away together in the spring on speckled white wings. But the fungus takes over others' bodies. During the winter, these zombies crawl closer to the surface of the soil as the fungi slowly consume them from within. They uh, then send an alien horn erupting out of their host's heads. By spring, only the caterpillars' skins filled with webs of fungi remain. So that's what the people are looking for. Life is pain. But it's a very popular medicine. They, they believe that it can cure a lot of respiratory problems. Mark, 
So, so in order for me to not feel bad, some moth has to get a yeah, you have to buy a, a, a forty dollar <laughs> larva. That's how much they cost. Well, but think about that poor. What a life that is. But listen to this. So this is for the supplements crowd. A fifteenth century Tibetan doctor, Zerkar Nyam Nyam Nyamni, George, something like that. This is his prescription for what you're supposed to do with these things. <laughs> one more time. One more time on that one. Dr. Zerkar Nyamni George. So you take the this is so you take the larva, grind it into a fine powder, and blend it with yeast. Stuff the paste into the chest of a sparrow and boil <laughs> in sheep's milk in an iron kettle until the liquid is gone. To make into pills, roast the sparrow slowly until completely dry, then grind it into a fine powder. Add some black pepper, bear bile, chig thub, they're guessing that's probably ginseng, an ox's bizarre, or gallstone, a fine snow lizard, or perhaps a good dose of special of a special herbal blend. Roll it all into a ball the size of sheep's dung, this is swallow not with a little sugar, and a hard drink at dawn. I didn't think there could be a crazier paragraph than the one we read earlier. Yeah, isn't that found insane? It. That is insane. But yeah, there have been like fist fights and like gun battles erupting over people trying to harvest these things because they're so so expensive, so valuable. Okay, so that's the ghost moth wrapped in the sparrow and the roasted, ro- powdered, all sorts of stuff. Super weird. So let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at goldfish. Yeah, that's an undiscovered market waiting to be. That could go in the mall. I mean, totally aquaponic farms. That could be part of the veggie area. I'm trying to think of some common. It seems like we're not. So this food tech. This, there's a lot of indoor, not a lot of outdoor. GMO rice would be outdoor. Yeah. Is everything else indoor? Look. Can I eat this? Yeah, I brought that down. Uh. Pro bar base, 20 grams protein bar. This is the one I incorrectly called a core bar, I think, last time. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. How much? 279. Yeah. Uh-uh. You're getting a good good deal. 80 cents more. You're getting something for it. What? About 20 grams of protein. Chia seeds. I already got that. I don't want that. Flax. Four grams of fiber. It's good for your pooper. So, I mean, you know. I'm chewing away from the mic. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, this. But did we crack this wide open? Did oh, we... we did. I can tell we did because my rib is throbbing. So, something's cracked wide open. And when I, I got up to go to the bathroom, I couldn't feel my left leg. <laughs> he hobbled back. But I'm okay. This is dedication to craft it's right sad here. Sad is what it is. Huh? I'm going to go with dedication to craft. Glimpse of death. Not a glimpse of life. Life is pain. I said that earlier. Life is growing food and doing it all in a mall. <laughs> That's right. Different wings. That's what I'm thinking. That would be fascinating. You reclaim a Walmart. I like the mall idea better. And turn that into like just a vision of the food future. Yeah. It's like a. Here's the cricket wing. Here's the. Yeah. It's yeah, the future food multiplex thing. Chickens. People would want a tour. Think of it like elementary school classes can go there. They can see the cricket wing. They can hang out so in the salad room. That's free ideation. I don't think Whole Foods will do that because they're closer to the organic side. But like... What we're prescribing Kroger, here actually Kroger. has very little you know science to it, though. Kmart. Are they still around? Yeah. Didn't, didn't you see they had some hilarious ad campaign? Can I... Oh, what was it? It was like a 
double entendre. Can I, oh, it's like, can I ship these pants? Oh yeah. I think that was like, can I ship my pants? Yeah. Dad, you just ship your pants. You shipped your pants. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still around. They're a little edgy. They're looking for some edge. I want to say that's EVB in Boulder, but I don't think it is. I think it's XUK out of... uh, Uh, Singapore. Out of Wichita. Wichita. Uh, But what was my... Oh, but our our prescription here isn't even really all that. There's no GMO-y hooey. Uh, I'm looking at these four, and it's kind of like, yeah, I get the vertical farm. There's benefit there. The GMO is less certain, which is surprising to me. And the test tube meat. Less certain. Yeah. It's kind of like just stop eating so much meat and you'll still be able to reclaim your grasslands, right? Yeah. And grow nice meat. You don't have to test tube it. See but where push we've on arrived. the bugs, push on the vertical farming. Yeah, we'd crush this. Yeah, we've natchcocked it, is what we've done. Lucky Peach has been natchcocked. That's right, Lucky Peach. You're welcome. Yeah. That's the future right there. I have, I'm a very gilded insider, Lucky Peach. Yeah. The Gilded Insider has natchcocked you. Uh-huh. And the yeah. Body Insider or the Outsider. The industry is listening. To, to you chew. That's what they're listening to right now. Goodbye. Oh, that was nice. Cast 22 brought to you through back pain and broken rib. Maybe that's those are our nicknames for this week. It's not Stardust and Snowflake anymore. It's back pain and broken rib. A couple old fellers doing what they like to do. Uh, labor love. So it was nice, even though it hurt. It should hurt a little bit, right? It's okay if it hurts. If it hurts, that means it's healing, maybe. Is that a thing? More soon, friends. Mm-hmm.